Four more COVID cases have been linked to a cluster infection at a new Taipei preschool, taking the total to 27. Two of the new cases are relatives of a student at the preschool. The others are a construction worker who had been inside that student's apartment complex and the construction worker's wife. The CCC said it's possible that this student's father was the infection source of the cluster. Another possible source is a preschool teacher who was diagnosed early on, but the CCC emphasized that there still isn't enough information to determine for sure. There are four local cases, two imported cases and one death. In the CCC's latest COVID figures, there were two imported cases, both connected to a cluster infection at a new Taipei preschool. They are relatives of a student at the preschool. The two of them and the student's father have been provisionally listed as imported cases. The father, who is Egyptian, was active in his residential community. He spent the rest of his time in one other area, in Sanchong. The two imported cases are his brother and his cousin, and they spent a lot of time together. Right now, it's more likely that these three are imported cases, so we're listing them as such for the time being. The CECC says the three men arrived in Taiwan on August 4th. They all tested negative for COVID before, during and after quarantine, but their tests came back positive in more recent tests. The student's father is being investigated as a potential source of infection, but the CECC says it's also possible the cluster began with a teacher. It's very difficult to determine the source. Of course, judging from the onset of symptoms, case number 16129, the preschool teacher, and case number 16160, the Egyptian father, are two possibilities. The student's father and five other cases in the cluster live in the same apartment complex. On Thursday, a construction worker who had been to the apartment complex was confirmed positive. He had worked in the building on three occasions in August. However, he didn't work at any of the floors where COVID cases were found. The construction worker and his wife, who live in Taipei, were diagnosed on Thursday. These cases are both related to the outbreak in an apartment complex in New Taipei. One of them is a construction worker who went to that complex three times for work. We need to investigate further before we can determine if the construction worker is connected to the preschool cluster. We also need to perform genetic sequencing. Besides the construction worker and his wife, there were two other local infections on Thursday reported from Sanchong. New Taipei Mayor Ho Youyi said they were unrelated to the preschool cluster. Taiwan's second shipment of Pfizer vaccines, totaling around 910,000 doses, arrived Thursday morning at Taoyuan's International Airport. Hohai founder Terry Gore says Taiwan can expect another large shipment around mid-autumn festival. Taiwan's first shipment of Pfizer vaccines, which came last week, is still undergoing inspection. The CCC plans to administer them on students aged 12 to 17 starting September 23rd. An airplane with a mask on arrived at 5.41 a.m. on Thursday. Inside was Taiwan's second shipment of Pfizer vaccines, totaling around 910,000 doses. After a thorough disinfection, the vaccines were unloaded from the plane and transported to a cold storage facility. Previously, Health Minister Chen Shizhong said he wanted to welcome this plane alongside Honghai founder Terry Goh, but neither was present at the airport on Thursday. In a recent Facebook post, Goh said that another 1.6 million Pfizer vaccines would arrive around mid-autumn festival. Every week after that, deliveries of 700,000 to 800,000 vaccines will follow, he said. 
Taiwan's first batch of 930,000 Pfizer vaccines, which arrived last week, is still undergoing inspection. The CECC plans to administer them starting September 23rd to students aged 12 to 17 right at their schools. In the meantime, a round of AstraZeneca vaccination has begun for people aged 23 to 28. As a young person, of course I feel it's finally my turn, but there aren't enough vaccines and there's nothing to be done about that. My company offers pandemic leave, so I requested time off. Being vaccinated is of some comfort, but we still mustn't let our guard down because these vaccines don't seem to offer as much protection against Delta. As more vaccines arrive, more young people will be able to get their shot, taking Taiwan closer to achieving herd immunity. President Tsai Ing-wen commissioned a new domestically produced warship on Thursday. The warship is named Dajiang and it's the latest version of the Tojiang-class corvette. It officially entered naval service on Thursday after clearing combat evaluations ahead of schedule. We turn now to President Tsai. Such an accomplishment is worthy of recognition. It is proof that on this path to becoming independent in national defense, no matter what difficulties arise, we can overcome them one by one. The Tajiang features improved stealth capabilities and navigational stability. Not only that, it is the Navy's first small warship equipped with air defense capabilities. The Tajiang has been positively received internationally for its exceptional capabilities. It is the pride of Taiwan. I believe that this warship will bolster the Navy's ability to fulfill its mission of defending our territorial seas. The Tajiang has a displacement of just around 700 tons, but it's equipped with heavy firepower, including eight subsonic Shongfeng-2 missiles and four supersonic Shongfeng-3 missiles. The Corvette is also designed to have air defense capabilities, including 16 Tianjin-2 air defense missiles and a 3D radar system. The cabinet's latest spending voucher program will start October 8th. Premier Su Zhenxiang announced the launch date on Thursday at a press conference, unveiling the final details of the program. Vouchers worth 5,000 NT dollars will go to every national, foreign spouse and APRC uh, holder before born before April 30, 2022. Pre-orders begin at the end of this month and pickup starts October 8th. Around the same time, eight central government agencies will launch their own spending vouchers, which will be worth up to $1,000. These vouchers can be won by lottery and they can be spent at designated businesses. Look at these quintuple stimulus voucher samples. They're very beautiful. With vouchers on the screen, Premier Su Zhenchang presided over a press conference to announce the new details of his stimulus program. The vouchers will be available in physical and virtual formats. Starting September 22nd, virtual vouchers can be loaded onto credit cards, electronic payment cards and mobile payment systems. They can be used starting October 8th. Orders for the physical vouchers can be placed starting September 25th at convenience stores, with pickup available from October 8th. Vouchers can also be collected at post offices starting October 12th by people who register online or by phone starting October 4th. 
three 1,000 NT vouchers, two 500 NT vouchers, and five 200 NT vouchers for a total of 5,000 NT. The rules are that you won't be given change when using them, so you can't use a 10,000 NT voucher to buy something that costs 10 NT and then ask the business to give you change. You can't demand that, and the business is not obliged to give you change. The quintuple stimulus vouchers will expire on April 30th. Vouchers will go to all nationals regardless of income, as well as to the foreign spouses of nationals and foreign residents with APRCs. Vouchers will be accepted at a variety of businesses, including night market stores, food and drink establishments, and department stores. They can even be used to pay for wedding banquets and tuition fees. And unlike the previous vouchers, these can also be used for online shopping. Online shopping platforms will have a special section for local businesses and small farmers so that they can benefit from the voucher program. Not only that, getting listed on the platforms is free. So merchants pay little to nothing in sales commission. They pay little to nothing in advertising and service fees. Sue said that as with the triple stimulus voucher program, these vouchers cannot be used to pay for taxes or fines or to buy tobacco or alcohol. How much will the program cost? The economics ministry gave the latest estimate on Thursday. The total budget we have allocated is 2.085 billion NT. That's less than the 2.2 billion NT used for the triple stimulus vouchers. The reason it's lower is that we've reduced printing costs by 0.22 NT per voucher. We've lowered processing and handling costs by 0.5 NT per voucher. As for infrastructure development, we already had infrastructure from the previous program. That lowered the cost by 12 million NT. Individual government ministries have also announced vouchers of their own. The 600 NT Arts Fund Go vouchers will make a comeback. They can be used to buy arts and cultural products and performance and exhibition tickets. They will also be accepted at bookshops, cinemas and online arts and culture retailers. The Council of Agriculture has planned vouchers worth 888 NT each for spending at leisure farms, seafood markets and forest recreation areas. 500 NT sports vouchers will be offered, and they can be used on tickets to sports facilities or athletic competitions. The Hakka Affairs Council's vouchers will be worth 500 NT, usable at designated Hakka shops, restaurants and hostels. Meanwhile, the Council of Indigenous Peoples will offer 1,000 NT in vouchers to use at indigenous-operated shops certified by the Council. The Economic Ministry will provide 500 NT food vouchers that can be used at food and drink establishments, bakeries, night markets and market stands. The Transport Ministry will give away 1,000 NT for use at hotels, hostels and travel agencies. Meanwhile, the National Development Council will provide 500 NT vouchers for local revitalization projects. We expect that this year, the program will have an even better effect than last year. We expect to see an economic benefit of 200 billion NT. With the quintuple stimulus vouchers on the way, local governments are planning stimulus programs of their own. As for local merchants, many are awaiting a much-needed influx of business. Well, for decades, Taiwan and Germany have maintained a close friendship built on cultural, economic, scientific and academic exchanges. Germany's new envoy to Taiwan, York Polster, arrived this summer and looks forward to bringing the two sides even closer. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang caught up with Polster at the Falling Walls Lab Competition, which was co-organized by the German Institute in Taiwan. And also from my side, welcome to the German Institute. 
German representative to Taiwan, Jörg Polster, assumed his post in July this year. In an interview with FTV, Polster said that one of his first challenges is reaching out to Taiwan organizations to build a friendship despite the restrictions of the pandemic. Now all this took a hit, I have to say, by Corona last year. And the exchange uh, person to person actually came to a standstill. So that would be actually one of my challenges. And I hope that I can be active and see in a discussion with the Taiwanese organizations, institutions, and how we can we go back to say that we reestablish those person-in-person contacts. Yeah, there's a lot to be discussed, to be exchanged. Germany and Taiwan have had a close relationship for decades in fields including politics, economics, academic research, and education. We have had relations with Taiwan for, for decades, and they have been growing continuously in all directions. We have discussions on political issues, we have economic exchange, we do this for research. Students go to Germany, German students come here. Um, we have organizations here in Taiwan who help us with doing so. This is a very special event we organize today and we are very happy to have the chance to do this in person, yeah, given the conditions we have created by Corona. Falling Walls Lab Science Slam is one recent academic exchange between Taiwan and Germany. Held for the first time in 2020, it returned for its second edition on August 31st, after being postponed once due to Taiwan's COVID outbreak. At the Falling Walls Lab competition, Taiwan's university students were given three minutes each to present their research and innovation ideas. My idea is push another ways how to reduce our carbon dioxide or greenhouse gas. So we need to think about a new material, new reactor design. So from environmental aspect uh, toward a uh, sustainable environment. My research is about supercapacitors performance. That um, I do this subject because I want to solve the problem of more and more severe air pollution. Then uh, my research uh, can help the supercapacitors. Yeah, the, uh, to help the supercapacitors to have a good uh, to have a better. Uh, energy density that perhaps in the future the supercapacitors can solve the problem. Led by Deputy Science and Technology Minister Ling Mingtong, a panel of six judged the competition. The winner was Yang Kaiwen from National Taiwan University. She will represent Taiwan in the global finals in November with travel expenses sponsored by the German Academic Exchange Service. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenhan in Taipei. The Transitional Justice Commission has released its plans for transforming the National Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. It plans to convert the memorial uh, into a park where visitors can reflect on Taiwan's authoritarian past. A key change is removing the large statue of Chiang Kai-shek that's inside the main hall. The proposal was condemned by KMT Chairman Johnny Chang. He compared the commission to the Taliban, saying that they both tear down what they dislike. The Transitional Justice Commission pushed back on Thursday. We are not the Taliban. Taiwan's authoritarian rule left behind victims of all ethnic groups. Being able to reflect on history, to reflect on the mistakes of our country is a lesson our entire society must learn. 
the bronze statue, based on our understanding and according to the Bureau of Cultural Heritage, the statue was not included in the heritage site report or in its inventory. The hall itself is indeed a heritage site, so the statue's removal must be planned very carefully so that it doesn't conflict with the work of cultural preservation. The commission says it will hear views from the public before releasing a more detailed renovation plan in the first half of next year. The final plan will then be submitted to the Executive Yuan for implementation. An industry group led by the Industrial Technology Research Institute awarded $1 million NT dollars in student scholarships on Wednesday. The group called the Power School and Talent Development Alliance was formed in 2019 to develop the talent needed to drive Taiwan's ambitious energy transition. Since 2019, the Alliance has offered courses and scholarships to encourage local talent to pursue a career in electric power. To nurture industry talent, eTree brought together listed domestic companies, offshore wind power firms and academic to form the Power School and Talent Development Alliance. Besides awarding scholarships, the Alliance has provided a range of electrical systems courses for working professionals, students and the general public. It's encouraged many talented professionals to consider a career in electric power. In the future, my work will probably continue to be related to the electric power sector. Whether it's solar energy, wind power, or traditional electric power, perhaps something at Thai Power, I'm open to it all. We had more applicants this time than in any year in the past. All the students who applied were qualified. I believe that in the future, all of them will shine in this industry. 29 students were awarded scholarships this year. Zhang Zhehao, who has six certifications under his belt, is a student at National Taiwan University of Science and Technology. His award-winning submission is artificial intelligence-based software that can quickly identify faults in an electrical system when it fails. His software can be used to speed up repairs. Going forward, the power and energy sectors will absolutely need talent that's cross-disciplinary, that has competencies in fields like ICT, power electronics, etc. We hope to use scholarships and bonuses to encourage more talent to participate in this industry. Over the next 20 or 30 years, the sky's the limit when it comes to their careers and opportunities. With climate change picking up speed, countries all over the world are targeting net zero emissions and working toward an energy transition. Taiwan's government aims to make the island a green energy development center for Asia. It says its policies will generate 1 trillion NT in investment, 1.2 trillion NT in output value, and 20,000 job opportunities by 2025. During Wednesday's award ceremony, the winners had a meet-and-greet with potential corporate employers. Hopes are high that this campus talent will drive the development of Taiwan's electric power industry. Well, Mid-Autumn Festival is nearly upon us, and for one family in Tainan, it's a very special time of year. Great-Grandpa Lee has been growing pomelos in Mado Township for over 40 years. Now three generations of descendants converge on the farm every fall to help out with the harvest. It's an annual family reunion, passing farming skills on generation to generation. Hear that crunch as the pomelo breaks off the branch? In Tainan, it's the familiar sound of a family reunion. Okay. Okay. Okay.
In Mado Township, 82-year-old Li Tianqiu has been growing pomelos in this orchard for over 40 years. I did my military service, came back home, and before long I was planting trees. It's been 40-odd years now. Eggshells are used as mulch to keep the trees healthy. As Li got on in age, he was glad to have his children and grandchildren help out more and more. Now, his 10-year-old great-granddaughter is a keen junior farmer too. All us kids who left home came back to help out, to get the whole family together and to use our pomelo growing skills. Why do we grow them? To pass on the tradition. Just the sound of the fruit being peeled is refreshing. Because of the age of the orchard, the pomelos are seedless, thick and juicy. As autumn rolls in, the harvest on the trees is a family heirloom beyond price. Turning to the latest on severe typhoon Chanthu, this storm has intensified quickly going from a tropical storm to a severe typhoon in just three days. Its path shifted sharply north Thursday afternoon. It's now headed straight for Taiwan, where it's predicted to make landfall on Taidong as early as Friday. Let's hear from a forecaster. On Saturday, the periphery of the storm will affect eastern and southern regions, bringing intermittent rain and thunderstorms. The southeastern region and the Hengchen Peninsula can expect localized heavy or extremely heavy rain. Afternoon showers are likely along the upper half of the island, and the outlying islands will get intermittent rain. On Sunday, the weather will be extremely volatile island-wide, with showers and thunderstorms likely and a chance of localized heavy or extremely heavy rain. Chanfu is one of two storms brewing in the western Pacific. The other is tropical storm Kansun, which is currently near the Paracel Islands. It's moving west towards China's Hainan Island, and if it continues on its forecast path, it will not have an impact on Taiwan's weather.